everybody. This is the Yes Men Podcast. I'm Doug Williams. Just a reminder, if you're listening to this on yesnetwork.com, we are also on iTunes. It's very easy. Downloads automatically whenever I upload it to the, the website. It goes up on iTunes automatically, and it will download on your phone. It makes commutes a lot easier to listen to podcasts. If you're a sports fan, not only a New York sports fan, not only a Yankees or a Brooklyn Nets sports fan, if you're a sports fan in general, you will like this podcast. You will enjoy it. I promise you that. And give us a rate or review on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. We very much appreciate that as well. That's a little housekeeping. Let's start this thing. Well, I'm I'm alone once again. Lou is still on a honeymoon vacation. He's apparently having a great time. He's somewhere tropical, somewhere beautiful that I am not. Uh, somewhere that I wish I was. But I'm not. I'm here in New York. So right now there's something really interesting going on in the NBA. There's a lot of interesting things going on in the NBA. And, and the first of which to me is the fact that the NBA playoffs have always kind of proven that the regular season doesn't matter, right? I mean, the past few years we've kind of had a feeling who was going to end up in, in the finals or, or at least the last four teams remaining. We had a feeling we knew who those teams would be. It was kind of different this year. Just for a little while, we thought the regular season matters because if Indiana gets home court, they will end up beating Miami in the playoffs. Now, we thought that both teams felt that way until maybe halfway through the year, and then the Pacers' rhetoric didn't change. The Pacers still clearly wanted that home court. Miami was just like, uh, well, we're going to rest guys when we want to rest guys. We're going to, you know, we're going to sit uh, D Wade and keep him healthy when we feel like it. We just want to get in the playoffs. We want to put ourselves in a position to win. They didn't say anything about home court. They just wanted to give themselves a chance to dominate in the playoffs. They ended up getting the two seed. Indiana gets the one. So a lot of us th- are thinking, well, this is an example of something that really does matter during the regular season. It kind of says, well, maybe the regular season does matter. Maybe you need home court advantage to win Game 7s, especially in a series that's been as close as Indiana and Miami has for the past few years. Well, now the Heat are throwing that idea in the garbage, and the NBA regular season looks as useless as it's ever looked. Because Miami, if you watch a lot of the games during the regular season, sometimes they don't show up, sometimes they don't play D-Wade, sometimes they just don't even play LeBron or Chris Bosh, it's clear that the regular season is the preseason. That's basically what it is. The Miami Heat knew they were a good enough team to play kind of 75% through the regular season to be the one or two seed in the Eastern Conference. Now, I understand that's not the case in the Western Conference, that the regular season does matter in terms of getting into the playoffs. Obviously, that's the case. I mean, the Dallas Mavericks, if you were to ask them, does the regular season matter? They would say, of course, because that's all we had this year. But didn't we all think anyway that it would be San Antonio and Oklahoma City? That's what I mean. The regular season obviously will determine who makes the playoffs and what seed they're at and whether they have home court advantage, etc. But it doesn't determine who will end up being the final four teams because we really all knew who that would be already. And, and when you compare it to a league like the NHL, the New York Rangers are one win away from getting to the Stanley Cup Finals, and it looks like the LA Kings are going to be there as well. That's not what people predicted. A lot of people did not predict that. 
And everything is so up in the air in the NHL. It's such a fast game. But the NBA cannot get out of its own way when it comes to really being a sport with parity, really being a sport where it's an even playing field and you're not sure when the playoffs begin who's going to end up coming out of what bracket. You knew exactly what was going to happen. And so far, it's shaping up the exact way we thought it would, except for Indiana not needing the home court advantage because they can't live up to it. It it doesn't seem to matter. Uh, Another NBA topic I want to talk about today, Uh, the NBA draft lottery was last week, and it's it's interesting. A lot of people uh, get surprised in boxing when a guy dominates a fight and then the fight's over, it goes through all the rounds, and, and, and suddenly it's a draw, and people are like, how, how is that a draw? It was a clearly dominated fight by another, the other guy. Like, he should have won. Well, those people need to realize that that's a sport we've always known had that little shade of gray. You weren't totally sure if there was kind of a little something fishy going on. And, and you would say, look... I understand thinking boxing is fun to watch. I agree. I think boxing is fun to watch. I will buy a fight every once in a while. But to really think that what you're going to get is a totally fair ruling on every fight, that this person dominated the fight, he will win this much to this much because that is what's true and what's fair, that is not a set of reasonable expectations when it comes to the sport of boxing. Now, I, I, lo- I like the NBA. I, I don't hate the NBA at all. But the fact that with 1.6% of a chance the Cleveland Cavaliers won the NBA draft lottery, to me, it had that feeling of, I'm not shocked because weird things happen in the NBA that make you think, well, maybe this isn't just luck. Maybe this isn't just black and white. Maybe this isn't just something that happens because there's a 1.6 chance. The Cleveland Cavaliers won the NBA draft lottery going into an offseason that is going to be filled with so many storylines, an offseason. So the offseason in the NBA is dominated by baseball at the beginning and NFL comes along at the end. You know what people are going to be talking about all summer long while there's zero NBA games being played? They're going to be talking about whether LeBron James will return to Cleveland to play with Andrew Wiggins and Kyrie Irving, and will Anthony Bennett get traded, and if he doesn't, then can he turn into a better player? This is the NBA's way of staying in the news. Why don't they pick the ping pong balls in front of us? That would take away all of of our doubt about whether or not this is a legitimate process of whether why the Cleveland Cavaliers won the NBA draft lottery with 1.6%. You're going to tell me that that's not a ploy by the NBA to keep this sport in the news for the entirety of the offseason? I mean, this offseason is already going to be full of storylines, but the NBA digs it up. Why wouldn't they? All PR is good PR, and this is just going to be fantastic for their brand. LeBron James might be a free agent. Carmelo Anthony, he's yet to decide where he wants to go. The Knicks coaching vacancy. I mean, there are so many things to talk about here. Will Paul Pierce leave Brooklyn? Kevin Love, will he get traded? It goes on and on and on and on. It's almost as if the NBA has created something that allows them to have an offseason that's just a season. The regular season is less interesting than the NBA offseason. 
And I think that that's perfect for the NBA because they're like, well, people are going to watch the regular season basketball anyway. Let's get them attentive to our offseason when there's no games being played. Who's going to sign where? Let's add a little drama here. Let's bring Andrew Wiggins or Jabari Parker or Joel Embiid to Cleveland and see if that changes LeBron James's mind. It just makes too much sense. Two straight years, the Cleveland Cavaliers win the NBA draft lottery. The NBA may be. I'm not saying they are. There's always a chance that the one, the ping pong ball that had a 1.6 chance of being chosen was chosen. It's just a little shady. I'm sorry. And, and going back to my boxing example, I wasn't shocked by it because there are little things that happen in the NBA that make you think, hmm. I think that a lot of what happens on the court is very real, and the talent's very real, the skill is very real, and the outcomes of the games themselves are real. But these things seem to happen a lot in the NBA, and when when you put it all together, you get an interesting outcome there. So a few, you know, uh, I want to say maybe a month ago, we did our kind of predictions for what would happen before we had a lot of, you know, you had the NBA finals, the NHL finals. We did a little MLB predictions. It was in general, Lou and I did a predictions episode. And I said, I predicted the Thunder would win the championship. And that prediction, obviously, after the last two games is looking much better than it was in the first two games of their series against the Spurs. Serge Ibaka comes back. He's really been the big story. Uh, who knew that that would be the case? I said this was Durant's year. I was, I, and again, I'm going. This is kind of similar to what I said about the NBA a few a few seconds ago. I said this was Durant's year because a lot of times the NBA season ends with a storyline that provides coverage for the NBA offseason the whole summer. So anyway, I played into that. I said. This would be classic NBA storyline. It's Kevin Durant's time. He beats LeBron James or he beats the Pacers and he becomes maybe the best player in the NBA argument begins with with LeBron James. Obviously, LeBron James is is the best actual player. But if Kevin Durant led his team to a championship and willed his way into that conversation after winning the MVP, then that argument's created. It's it's argued all day long on ESPN and Fox Sports 1. It's talked about. Well, that's what I saw happening. But here's the thing, and, and it's like I'm being proven wrong only kind of, though. Kevin Durant's team may very well win the championship. They look great after Ibaka comes back, but nobody's really talking about Durant. Everyone's talking about Russell Westbrook and Serge Ibaka. Durant's kind of floating underneath the radar. Last night he went 11 for 22, had 30 points, but everyone's talking about Westbrook and his performance last night because he put up 40. And then everyone's talking about, well, Ibaka's been back for two games and they dominated both those games. It's It's obvious that he's the key to this team winning. No one's talking about Kevin Durant, the MVP award winner. It's kind of a nice position for him to be in, especially because there are games. He scored 15 points earlier in the series. There are games where he's struggled, but he doesn't have that spotlight that LeBron James has. I'm very interested to see if my prediction comes true, even if the Thunder do win. Will, the, will this be looked at as Kevin Durant's big W? Because Serge Ibaka and Russell Westbrook are showing up. And it may end up that if the Thunder win, the storyline will be that this is a great team, not just a great player. All right, uh, so I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the New York Rangers. And going into the Rangers 
you know, kind of situation. They had a chance to uh, clinch in Game 5 and go to the Stanley Cup Finals in Montreal. They they got crushed, kind of. They lost 7-4. to four. Uh, They came all the way back to tie the game at 4 after being down 4-1. to one. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist struggled. He was lifted early for Cam Talbot. I don't think that's a huge deal. I mean, anyone who thinks that Henrik Lundqvist is going to have a tough game six because he had a rough game five, you know, that's not the mind of an athlete. He will be back out there. Thank you-know-who that the Rangers are able to go back to New York because I think if this was were some scenario where they had back-to-back games in Montreal and they had lost seven to four, Henrik could have come out in front of that crowd and said, oh, I hope this doesn't happen again. But the fact that they're going back to Madison Square Garden, that changes everything. Two guys that I think have been so instrumental for the Rangers, if you've watched their games, you know how good their penalty kill has been. It's kind of this mixture between size and speed in Brian Boyle and Carl Hagelin. On the penalty kill, Brian Boyle is in the center of the ice, kind of weaving in between the defensemen who are on the point who are passing to one another. And 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 he's got the longest stick on the team because he's like 6'8". So he's waving his stick around, getting hitting pucks, getting that puck past the blue line. Carl Hagelin, meanwhile, is guarding people. But if anyone on the Rangers gets the puck, he's one of the fastest skaters in the NHL, and he will dart towards the center of the ice, and if you can get a pass to him, he can score a shorthanded goal like he did in Game 4 against the Canadians. So, that tandem, to me, is one of the most important things that the Rangers need to bring back. I I was talking to one of my colleagues, Lance Becker, about this yesterday. The Rangers players, just no matter what happens, whether they win the Cup, whether they even get to the Stanley Cup Finals, the Rangers players have all proven their value. And a lot of them are free agents. So it's going to be tough for the Rangers to keep everybody. But Brian Boyle is a free agent after this season. He has proven his value. He's gotten more and more ice time as the the, uh, postseason has gone on. He's a key guy for the Rangers. And going into Game 6 at Madison Square Garden, I might be there. I'm trying to decide whether I should spend my money on tickets, money I don't have. But you know what? It might be worth it, people. Game 6 is Game 7 for the Rangers. Now, they've proven they can win in Montreal, obviously. They've gone 2-1 there in this series now. But you don't want to go back to Montreal for a Game 7. It's just too difficult. And honestly, it's just a daunting task to go into Montreal, a great hockey town, and a well-built hockey team. This is not a flawed hockey team, besides the fact that Tokarski's in net instead of Carey Price. Carey Price practiced the other day, though, with full pads and and and, and was, you know, kind of uh, was shot at by his players. So you never know. Maybe he'll come back in seven. We've seen crazier things. Serge Ibaka's calf was torn up the other day. Now he's playing. Derek Stepan just broke his jaw and scored two goals. So Carey Price coming back, it's conceivable. It's not like when a coach comes out and says he's done for the series that he's placed on IR. He's still available to come back. It's just you're relying on the coach's word there. So game six is game seven for the Rangers to me at the Garden. That's the best way to put it. Uh, Henrik's got to be great. Everyone knows that. He he really needs to be great in this game because, you know, you you had this magic. Everyone said, you know, Henrik's been a brick wall for the postseason. He's such a great goaltender. Him versus Jonathan Quick in the Stanley Cup Finals, maybe the best of the East and the West. Well, now we kind of feel that magic slipping away because he just gave up two terrible goals in Game 5 in Montreal. Well, what he can do here is reestablish his dominance, remind everybody, hey, I'm King Henrik. I'm great. I will reign over you. And they need 
to go to the Stanley Cup Finals on their own ice, and they need Henrik Lundqvist to help them do that. Uh, they have not, he did not have any help, by the way, from the defensemen in Game 5. They were terrible. Mark Stahl helped them get to where they are, but he's been terrible in this series against the Canadians. I think he was minus three last night. That's not very good. You really need him to step up. Uh, you never know. In the, in the hockey playoffs, is <laughs> it's the battle of the fittest or the battle of the, uh, I guess, least injured because everybody's hurt. Seriously, everybody is hurt. Watch one game and imagine leaving that ice being like, no, I feel pretty good. It doesn't happen. So it's the battle of the least hurt, and, and it's very possible that Mark Stahl is battling something, and we saw Ryan McDonough battle something against Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, but now he's playing up to a, a level that we've seen him play before, and that's helped the Rangers. They need Mark Stahl back. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is uh, the Yankees, and, and everybody kind of knows that the Yankees make deals at the trade deadline. Last year was kind of surprising. They they got Soriano kind of early. They didn't get him at the trade deadline. They got him before, and that was a really good move because it kept them in contention. They had a legitimate cleanup hitter for the majority of the stretch run. The Yankees need to do that again this year, but with a rotation guy. And here's here's the thing. A lot of people are looking at this rotation thinking, well, Pineda's throwing bullpens. He'll be back pretty soon. CC, it's only his knee. It seems like he'll be back in July. But the thing is, those two guys aren't just for sure things coming back from the DL. They're both question marks in their own right. CC, because he wasn't pitching well before he went on the DL. And his knee is now barking. We know that his arm doesn't have the velocity and the strength that it used to have. Pineda had the whole pine tar issue, then hurt his back or his lat, or you know maybe it was his shoulder was sore. I'm not really sure. You can't look at either of them as sure things coming back. So the reinforcements are sort of coming. What you need is a sure thing. And and I'm not looking for a sexy starting pitcher because I don't know, first of all, that the Yankees have the pieces to trade for one like a Jeff Samarja. First of all, I don't think Jeff Samarja is looking to cut his hair or shave his beard. That's just me. Cliff Lee probably going to cost the Yankees too much. He's been rumored to come, come to the Yankees for like 10 straight years now. I don't think that's happening. I think Jason Hamill makes perfect sense for the Yankees. He's pitched well against them twice. He's clearly a guy who's well-traveled and can pitch in big media markets. I think this is a guy that the Yankees need to bring in sooner rather than later. We're coming up on June now, and that's a move that could really solidify the Yankee rotation. David Phelps right now is your number three starter. You really can't have that as you get in July, August, September. You need a guy who can solidify a spot in a rotation, who can give you six and two, six innings pitch, two earned runs every time out. We thought that was going to be Hiroki Kuroda. He himself has struggled. So the Yankees, in my opinion, will need a starting pitcher, and they need him soon. As soon as you start getting into the end of June, that's kind of when the trade talks begin. You usually don't see any until July, but you never know what could happen. I personally think they will make a move, but we'll see. Um, so that's that's pretty much it. This has been about 20 minutes of uninterrupted Just Doug programming, and bless your heart if you're listening. Um, Lou will be back soon. I think he's, I'm going on vacation at the beginning of June. Uh, I'm going on a family trip. Uh, it's nothing close to you know what Big Lou over here has been doing. He's, he's, he's living at large, people. He's having some cocktails, I'm sure, some adult beverages on the beach. He's living the dream. But 
Uh, he'll be back, I think, June 4 it is. And then we'll uh, we'll have some regular podcasts coming. Again, subscribe to us on iTunes, the Yes Men Podcasts. It is free. It costs you literally nothing, and it helps Lou and I out. If you like the podcast, it tells iTunes, hey, they're popular. They should get sponsored. So thank you very much for listening, everybody. This has been the Yes Men Podcast. I am Doug Williams for YesNetwork.com and the Yes Men Podcast. Tweet at me at Doug Williams Yes on Twitter, at Doug Williams Yes, and we will talk. I'm always happy to talk to people on Twitter. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next time.